I didn't necessarily want to focus on the public. I wanted to focus on the people that were closest to me. But I was aware of other people may look up to me. And it was this, how would they feel if they see me having starting a family with a woman who doesn't who's, who's white? Yep. And we literally sat there and I said, I told her, that concerns me. That's good. Because I don't want them to feel less. I don't want my niece to ask the question, what's wrong with me? Yeah. That, I don't know if I could curse, but that, it hurts. <laughs> hurts. Yeah. The thought of that. If I could see my, my one of my nieces asking that question. Because I love them unconditionally. Yeah. And I think they are so beautiful. And I want to do everything to bring out that beauty. Mm. And I still will. Um, and so that was the impetus of the conversation that happened back in January. We put porn to shame. <laughs> the womb isn't just about where I give Talk birth to about babies. It. Talk. The womb is about where we give birth to purpose. Talk. I was basically all of her nevers. I never imagined my journey would inspire people all over the world. You have set a standard in love. I was dating a young lady who helped me heal. Wow. This woman is a ride or die. The conversations have really helped me to change my perspective on relationships. I had 19 attorneys at one time that were speaking into my ear. 19, 19 attorneys. Attorney. My, my, my last relationship, you know, it did a number on me. What you did not know is I had a whole little situation lined up that evening. Your transparency is literally setting people free. And you're unique. You ain't like nobody else. I, I noticed that right away. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> Um, thank you. I received that. Let one of them Barbie doll bodies walk over here. You gonna say, dear future wifey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're gonna go right in that box. I'm Lataris R. Whitfield, and welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, Lataris R. Whitfield. Listen, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, come on, we're in season five. Can we make a commitment and subscribe? We're on the road to reach 100,000 subscribers and we're about 6,500 shy. So come on, let's do your part, share the podcast and tell everybody to subscribe. If you're listening to us on streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you consume your audio podcast, then um, <clears throat> leave a review. Give us four or five stars and um, depending on what the platform requires and so we can spread the word. On this personal journey as I discover, uncover, and recover love, I'm always addressing my own um, idiosyncrasies and my own biases. Um, I'm making sure that I don't duplicate the same mistakes that I made in the past uh, in choosing my, my, my purpose partner in the future. And so after having this organic conversation while I was out working on the project, I met this amazing gentleman who I'm going to introduce y'all to in, in, a, in a second. Uh, listen, without further ado, welcome to Dear Future Wifey Podcast, my new homies, Siku, <laughs> Lewis, and Maddie Steger. How y'all doing? Good. Yeah. How are you? So, I, you said Siku. I want to say Siku, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Seku, Sega Genesis. I said I, I was going to remember. <laughs> Seku. So I apologize for that. So Seku Lewis. Uh, Seku. So I was working on a project. I was I interviewed you to um, give a tribute to Sint Marshall for uh, UNCF, for the United Negro College Fund, for the gala. And you were just excited about your uh, upcoming wedding. Yeah. And then I said, uh, you said, oh, yeah, I'm about to get married. And I get excited when I hear a man get excited about. See, you didn't know that, Maddie. He was all excited and oh. stuff about it. <laughs> and then I said, so um, 
I said, so what made you marry this particular individual? And what did you say? She brings me peace. She brings me peace. And I said, wow, this is amazing. Um, then I said, um, and then we started talking about some other stuff and we talked about legacy and, and all this amazing stuff that has transpired. You talked about how, uh, solid she is as as a christian woman and uh did you know he, he values those things in you you know that no. no i mean i had a feeling but i've never heard him say it out you loud. never heard him say it or to anyone else because he's so private see and see he's sharing this stuff with me so i was mm -hmm. like wow so then what i did maddie is i went on the internet and i googled i said okay let me pull up uh say cool and um it popped up your picture and then <laughs> i said hmm now, this, the, the excitement that I had now transferred into a bias because I'm like, mm. okay, he's marrying a white woman. Mm -hmm. And then I said, hmm, now Laterris, deal with that. Now, how do you feel? Yeah. How were you at first excited about it? Then you, by just seeing the color of her skin, now you're like, ah, is he one of them? Is he one of these type of guys? Yeah. And um, I was like, all right, um, God, because I'm a, I'm a Christian man. I said, all right. I want to talk to him one day and ask without judging him and, and his preference or his decision to marry this amazing woman. Let me get his story. So, um, organically he ended up calling me about this other project and I said, I got to ask you something, brother. And, um, and I'm a, I'm a, I asked him this question. I said, what made you marry her? And I told him the backstory about what I had looked at and, and Google. And I said, so tell me why you married her. This episode is titled The Color of Love. So, Seku, what did you say? Well, it wasn't hard to pick Maddie. That wasn't the hard part. It wasn't her. It was probably, it was everything else that surrounded her and us. Right. And you and I talked about this. this the, the example I gave was, you know, I was raised, I have four older sisters uh, and my mother. So there's five women in the household. I have a younger brother, thank God for him, um, <laughs> and my father. Um, and then I have aunts, yes, my mother's sisters, and they're all, all eight of them are beautiful, amazing, strong women who are well accomplished, smart. They're the leaders of the family. Our grandmother, she, you know, my grandfather passed away, so our grandmother was a matriarch of the family. She was, a, she was brilliant. Um, so I grew up with strong black women leading me. Right. And they are responsible for a large part of who I am today. To, still to this day, in the toughest decisions that I make in life, I call them usually first. Yeah. Right. Because um, I have a high value of respect. Um, I, I look up to them, not physically, I'm taller than them, but <laughs> in every other in every other aspect. But so when this relationship came about, I had a, I have a strong love for them. So everyone that looks like them and me. And when Maddie came up, I had to think about it. Be, not Maddie, but I hear it as I love this woman right. unconditionally. Right. No filter. But I think about my nieces, my sisters, uh, my cousins. How would they feel knowing that the woman I chose to be with for the rest of my life didn't look like them? Right. Regardless if she was white, even if she was Hispanic or right. Asian or something, any other, that they didn't look like them. Right. And I thought in particular about my uh, my younger nieces, because I wondered, I really thought about this hard, and actually Matt and I, Maddie and I had this conversation early on in our relationship. That's good. I, I brought this up. I said, That's this is good. a concern of mine. That's um, good. And I said, I, I 
my younger nieces, I wanted them to know that regardless of who I choose to be with, I still love you. You are beautiful. You are strong. I will stand by you. I will stand behind you. And when the time is needed, I will stand in front of you. Ooh. Um, Ooh. And so mm. I had to do a lot of deep soul searching. Yeah. And really understand like what love meant to me. Yes. Um, and so I had conversations with those important women I talked about in my life. I had conversations with very close friends. Um, and at times they set me straight. Hmm. I thought they were going to co-sign on the biases that, <laughs> that not necessarily just I had, but what I thought society, society might have, had, have around yes. Um, and they set me straight. And so after that, after I realized what my heart felt, well, where, where my spirit was moving and where the people that actually cared about me yes. and knew me, where they were all pointing to me, it was left to say to myself, what, what are you waiting for? There it is. There it is. And see, um, I don't have a problem with who people choose to love. I just don't like it when someone chooses to love someone outside their race to the demise of their own race. If they go, wow, all black women are this, all black women are loud. I don't like black women. They too, this, this, this. So I'm going to go over and marry someone of a different ethnicity. Then I go, okay, now that's a little self hate because now you're generalizing a whole demographic of people. And that demographic is you, but you're saying all black women are this. So after I heard you say what you said to me, I was like, bro, like what's up? Can I come to the wedding? Like, <laughs> like, like it's like, because, because at the end of the day, love wins. And that's all I care about. I care about people making holistic decisions based upon the, the convictions of their heart, making sure that they actually look at and you did uh, an inventory to a self inventory to say, okay, now how do I feel about this? And you would have prevented yourself based upon what you feel society looks at and judge and all that type of stuff. And you would have had, which would have been sad, is that you would have foregone the love of your life just because what other people may think and it don't matter what nobody else thinks but it's great that you had a support system that rallied behind you and checked you on your own heart uh maddie how have you dealt with that like how did your family respond to it well my family loves him more than they love me sometimes <laughs> <laughs> because when he says she that i bring him peace he has been the most peaceful blanket I've ever experienced in my life. I grew up in a very, um, anxious household. Um, we had alcoholics in my family. It was a lot of uneasiness, a lot of, I'm the older sibling. I'm the older sister. There's two of us. And so I grew up kind of being like a second mom wanting yeah. to take care of her and mm -hmm. make sure she's okay. Um, and I also had in my twenties, I had really crappy relationships and, uh, my family has always wanted the best for me. And when my dad first met Seiku, he, so my dad is a very quiet person. He's a man of very little words. Mm. Um, he has never said anything about any other boyfriends I've ever had. He just doesn't have any interest in <laughs> taking part in any of them. No one or nothing. Nope doesn't really care. And I, and I know, I know why now, because he saw straight through him. That's what I was about to say. He was like, this guy, he's not very sticking temporary. Around. Very. Yeah, he's like, I ain't finna get my, my heart involved. I don't want to know. I'm not going to waste my time. No, not at all. Absolutely not. Well, he, after my mom had met Seku, he reached out to me and he was like, I am coming to Dallas. He was coming in town for a conference. And he said, I want to, I want to meet him. And I was like, okay. 
Um, so <laughs> we arranged for a breakfast meeting. I'm like, breakfast sounds safe, right? Yeah, I yeah, feel like we safe. can get, we can get in and out and just yeah. do a breakfast thing. And so Seku comes to meet him before, um, before he goes to work. So of course he comes in in a suit and I'm just like, Oh God. And my dad, my dad, he wears like, I don't know, like cargo, like military pants and he, normally. And he came in with a suit this time. No, no, no. My dad didn't wear a suit. Seku was in oh, a suit. Seku had a suit. Yeah. Okay. And my dad was in his like normal relaxed clothes. And so we get to talking and my dad loves, um, he loves hunting. He's into like guns and knives and all the things. Right. Things um, that make, make Seku real scared. Right. <laughs> well, actually, no, that's the thing. Not at all. Like, that's like they bonded over that. So the whole time at breakfast, I'm like, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't even get a word in. And it the whole the whole time I'm thinking, like, seriously, God, like, yeah. really? Like, th this is it. This is the one that my dad chooses to. And, I, and when I say my dad doesn't have an opinion, like he has never said anything. Like he doesn't say like that guy's trash or he says, he says I don't nothing. care. He says, he says no like they don't exist. Exactly. <laughs> so after, after breakfast and Seku leaves and my dad gives me a hug and I, I, I didn't grow up super close to my dad. He traveled a lot for work. Um, as I've gotten older, I've gotten closer with my dad. But during that time, it was like we were trying to form a relationship. Mm -hmm. So he hugged me really tight and he looked at me, he grabs both of my hands and he goes, Maddie, I really, really like that man. Wow. And I just went, what? I, it, I was speechless for a good like minute. I didn't really know what to say. I just kind of got teary eyed and Hands How got long had y'all been dating during that time? What that was January, so a it was few months. yeah, a few months. Um, yeah, and um, so to answer your question, how does my family feel about him? They like him more than they like you. Yes. <laughs> long story short, yes, absolutely. My mom adores him. My dad loves him. My sister loves him. Um, my grandparents love him. Everyone just loves him. I asked him this question, and um, I don't know if he ever told you this, but I said, I love to hear how soon a man knows when that's the one for them, that that's the woman, that's the person, that's their wife. Seiko, you remember what you said? I remember pieces of it. I remember pieces of it. How long did it take you to know that this is the one? It didn't take long at all. Quantify it by time, roughly. Probably... I would say spring 2020. So from the time you met and the time that happened, how many months was that? Would have been six. Yep. About six months. As we said, about the first six months. I say that most men know, they get a feeling early on, but they actually say, this is it. They make a decision within the first six months. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what I just found from a lot of guys. A lot of guys be like, in the first couple of weeks, I knew that this was the one, but it may take a while for them to actually give themselves freely to it's that. It's a vetting process. Yeah, it's, it's a straight. You gotta got check your feelings. Like, hold on, man. You're like, hold on now, I can't be getting all caught up like this. Yeah. She may be trying to slick me right yeah. now. I gotta I got keep my gangster a little while longer. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they fight that emotion for as long as possible, and then they go, all right, that's the one. All right, I'm at a daddy now. Okay, he liked me. Okay, I can't be that dude. I can't be the dude that's playing and fumbling around with our heart. Um, and what he said in that was so powerful. Unpack that. When you said originally that she was a place of peace, what did you mean by that? So 
few things. I've been in past relationships that were like roller coasters. I had a friend, a close friend. We were like long. We've been friends since we were high school, and he jokingly was like, "I'm not hanging around you guys. It's like World War Three, right?" And so I was just it. It was shocking because you know when you're in a relationship, especially if it's normal, yeah, if the volatility is normal. Yeah, you don't see it as as drastically as somebody from the outside looking in. <laughs> And he's a straight shooter with me. He'll t- he, we've always that's kind of relationship we call we call it like it is. So when he said that, I was like, whoa! I, I had to take a step back too. Like this is if if a, if a good friend of mine is telling me this is what it's like, I don't know if this is like the best thing. Yeah. Right. And so when I talk when I thought about my connection with Maddie, immediately it was I felt well one I actually let's take a step back. I was in a place of peace, right? As a person. Mm-hmm. I was in a good state. That's good. That's powerful. So I want I was, people to catch that. And I was willing to accept a person for where they were. There it is. Um, I wasn't going to try to force anyone. And that was, I was very intentional, but I wasn't going to try to force anyone to be where I needed them to be. Look, I, it was, this is where I am. I want to know where you are. And if you're not there, I respect it. And we'll just, just figure out the best thing for us. That We talked about this early on. And she was at a state where she was in a similar place. Good. And we had like real honest conversations about a lot of things, a lot of take it or leave it moments early on. And the fact that I could have that level of like uh, risk on the table with somebody. Yeah. Um, and still come up with a winning hand. Mm. It made me feel like, okay, I'm good. And even my indecisiveness at times didn't rattle her on the outside. Didn't rattle her. Right. And so I accepted that that gave me more comfort that, okay, because I know life throws a lot at you. Life is very consistent at being inconsistent with something. Yes. And you need somebody that can be able to move with you in times of uncertainty, in times of difficult times and even good times, not get overly excited. Yes. (laughs) And she was willing and she was able to move with me, but also let me move through it Mm -hmm. on my own. That's good. And that was the piece I needed because, you know, we're all unique individuals. And I have varying interests that don't always make sense when you look at me. That has nothing to do with the woman I'm getting ready to marry. But I'm I'm talking about just like I'm a very eclectic mind. The music I like, the activities I like to participate in for exercise, like martial arts or something like that, right? Um, And I'm very intellectually curious so my mind can shift. That can scare people. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like yesterday you had long hair, now you got short hair. What's up? <laughs> Who are you, man? Who are you? <laughs> and next you know, and for a woman, security is very important. Yes. And inconsistency is the opposite of security. One hundred percent. So I like to say my mind is curious. <laughs> is that inconsistent? inconsistent. <laughs> and she's always she's okay. She's she's more comfortable with that, allowing me to be me. And so that brings me peace. And by that bringing me peace, I can give her more. Yeah. Maddie? Mm-hmm. What do you think when you hear him saying what he's saying? Oh, he's spot on. I'm, I think the most important piece to everything that he's saying, when I hear him talk about how he was moving through and trying to mm-hmm. navigate everything, if, if we had um, gone back in time and I was Maddie a year and a half prior and I had met him, but absolutely not. Cause I wasn't at peace with myself. I was insecure. I wasn't stable. I didn't like my job. I didn't feel comfortable with myself. I didn't know who I was as a person. I was still trying to figure myself out. 
And Stop right there. Okay. People got to hear that. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to tell you because a lot of people are they 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 feel like they're deserving of love yeah. to the degree of marriage. Sure. They like I'm supposed to be a wife, but how can you be a wife when you don't even know who you are? Yeah. The Bible says, "He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing." Mm. You have to be a wife already in order to be found. People feel like the wife is after the the nuptials. That's what happens at the ceremony. No, a wife exists. That's why I said, "He who finds a wife." Mm. Uh, and so you just said this place of peace, this place, this place of understanding who you are. And the minute you understood who you are, that's how you could be found. And he could see who you are. I always say, uh, it's this quote that God gave me uh, last year that said, men should pursue and not persuade. And a woman should present and not mm. pursue. So a woman should just present. I'm whole. Mm. He'll see that. Mm. He'll go okay, this is different. Yeah. This is different from what I've been through in the past. This other part seemed a little chaotic. Uh, this other woman I dated or relationships in the past, like you said, yeah. was a little toxic. And now I see this wholeness. We're meeting each other in this place of wholeness. Now we can truly see each other for who we are. That's what's so beautiful in this. Uh, continue, Maddie. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just, that's the most important piece to the whole puzzle of us is that I think we, not I think, I know, we were both in a, place of this is who we are and we were so incredibly vulnerable with each other from the jump that's what he told me i want you i want you to explain that because he said this and i said oh i get emotional when i when i think about that because yeah. vulnerability and trans you cannot have a healthy marriage a healthy relationship a healthy parenting relationship with your kids if you won't be transparent and vulnerable mm -hmm. right. but i want you to unpack that well, I'll go back to how I was raised. And if my mom and dad listen to this, no offense, you all know this. Um, there was secrets in the house and a lot of things were kept swept under the rug. Nothing was addressed. We didn't have the tough conversations. We didn't, it, it was just kind of, it, it, uh, they seemed like they just didn't want to talk about it because it was too tough to talk about. Right. And I knew that as an adult, I could not and did not want to live that way. Um, so when I met him and we started talking about the hard things, I mean, we talked about, like, like he said, we talked about interracial relationships at the very beginning Good. before the pandemic and before it was cool to talk about. Yeah. We, yeah. um, we had that tough conversation. It was like a three hour long conversation. It's tough. It's hard. Yeah. We both felt like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep now. Like <laughs> I literally just laid my whole life out on the table. Um, but yeah, it was, that is being vulnerable with someone is so hard, but it is so incredibly important. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I still have my quirks. I still have my, my anxious moments where I get insecure and I feel too vulnerable. Um, you know, I'm human, but from the beginning and us being so open with each other has just set the tone for who we are as a couple going forward. And it's been, I don't, I don't even, I don't even know the word. It's just a blessing to be honest with you. That's it's like word. something I've never experienced in my life. I asked Siku, I said, uh, <clears throat> Seku, I asked him, I said, listen, how did you know this is the one for you? He said, when I was able to have conversations with her, expecting her to leave, but she never would go. Mm. He said, when I was able to have conversations with her, expecting her to leave, but she never would go. And I was like, ah, I want to run around that Mavericks uh, headquarters <laughs> when he said that, uh, you know, first of all, Sekou is the bomb. He's an intelligent dude. He's a general counsel for the Dallas Mavericks. He's, he's, he's bomb. Young, 
brilliant mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was about to run around the headquarters. I was like, yes, <laughs> because we're so afraid to have those conversations. Yeah. He said, he said, I'm gonna be honest with you. Certain stuff, I said, I'm gonna just drop this on her and I and, <laughs> see what happens. And I'm right, she's she gonna leave. <laughs> he said, and I would say it, and then she would still be there. And we'll go closer. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I need people to hear that. He said, I would have these conversations with her and it would draw us closer. Well, that's an undeniable. That's why when that happens, it doesn't matter what the world says. You can pass by people on the street and they can look at you with judgmental eyes and discriminatory looks. You're like, we got this. We solid over here. I hope y'all get what we got right here. You know what I'm saying? It becomes a, a moment of when the Bible says that we become one flesh, that we will cleave to one another. Then that's what's happening even before the I do's is that y'all are cleaving to one another because y'all are allowing each other to go into spaces in each other's hearts that have never been uh, inhabited mm-hmm. by other people mm-hmm. that no other man that you've ever dealt with has has been an inhabitant of that place in your heart mm-hmm. and vice versa for my brother over here it just it, it's so when you have this cleaving this moment that happens spiritually and emotionally and psychologically and physically then you're able to say I love you. And you're able to say those beautiful nuptials and be able to mean it from the core of your soul because you did the work. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, people walk down the aisle. They say these beautiful vows. They spend all this money on the accoutrements of, 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 of a wedding, but then they don't really know each other. Right. But when y'all had those tough conversations early on, ah, <laughs> what made you be willing to have those conversations? She, at the very beginning, she made the comment of he really doesn't talk much. But then the more I'm hearing unpacking that you may not talk much, but when you talk, you say some stuff like a dad, like when, I, when it's time to talk, I'm going to talk about what needs to be addressed. Exactly. Uh, what made you decide to challenge your relationship with the truth? It was a journey. It was a journey. It was a journey within myself first, the truth, my own truth. Um, there was a lot that, that went into this. There was a lot of tragedy in my family prior to Maddie and I. Uh, really making that bond. And it really l- allowed me to get a perspective on life, life and love. Yes. And what the value of it is. Um, Jay-Z is a great line. He says, you know, people know the price of a lot, but the value of nothing. Mm. Um, that was paraphrased, not quoted. Um, <laughs> but I learned the value of of love. And I also learned in order to have it within yourself, you have to be honest. You had to be vulnerable in order to be able to bring it to a relationship. You had to be yourself or your old self. But I, I said this at my brother's wedding. He gave me, he asked me to do an impromptu speech, but it's kind of, I've got some themes in life that I try to carry on and I, I wear them or I, I, I speak them. But I told him in the speech, I said, you have to be brave in love. You have to be brave and courageous when you step into that arena of love. If you know, I grew up playing basketball, so competitive. I'm, I'm a competitive person by nature. Not overly competitive, but I like to compete. Yeah. And I know when you step onto that court, you step into that arena, you step onto that field, in order to win, you've got to take risk. And with every risk that you take, you have to be vulnerable, accepting that you might not win. You might not make the shot. You might not score the goal, especially if it's a martial art. You might get hit upside the head. <laughs> and love is brutal like that. Yes. You can get hit upside the head, but the only way you're going to win is if you take that risk, is if you're brave. You stand there right in front of your own fears, your own vulnerabilities, and you put them out there, and you see what comes back. And you're also accepting of the truth, that if you put it out there, she might not like it. She might laugh at you, right? She may say, no, I'm cool, bro. 
or she may actually say, I get that. Let me, let me, let me take a few steps further with you. Mm, 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 mm. And so by taking that risk, being brave in love, that was like, that was what I came with. I was willing to do that work. I was willing to be that guy. I didn't see it as a weakness being vulnerable. Cause I, like I said, if I'm looking at the field or the, co- the competitive field, just take combat sport, for example, um, you have to have bravery to step into there. Even if you get knocked out, most people won't step into there. So just like love, if you want to be that champ, you want yes. to win, you have to be brave in that arena and step out there and be willing to get knocked out or be the victor. Um, you know, you and I talked about um, writing your your vows, and mm-hmm. you kind of just wrote them right then. <laughs> <laughs> they wrote themselves. They like, wrote right, themselves just, right there. there. there I, and we have it recorded. <laughs> we, we can just read. get the transcription exactly. and we're done. And, and, and tighten it up. <laughs> um, so, Maddie, when you hear him speak about you, especially mm-hmm. to someone else, uh, and a and a stranger initially hearing how he spoke about you without you being in the room, how does that make you feel? Incredible, and I he doesn't. I mean, I think this is the first time that I have heard him speak about me to someone else while I've been around. Yeah, uh, because he he is he's a private person. He doesn't share a whole lot, and it's not just because of who I am or our relationship. It's just he doesn't share anything about his life. <laughs> yeah. He's just private. That's that so, attorney, attorney, right. client attorney client privilege. privilege. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Attorney attorney client privilege. <laughs> but really though. Um, <laughs> um so to hear it, I mean, I I already know how he feels about me because I feel it. Right. It's a it's the way he treats me, the way he speaks to me, the way the way I just move about in life, the way we interact with each other, even without words, just the way that we are with each other. So I feel it. But to hear it is a whole nother just level of yeah man yeah it's just confirmation confirmation you know and women like confirmation 100 percent. you know <laughs> and my love language is words of affirmation so it's just uh, you're watering my plant right now yeah. That's, yeah. that's how it feels yeah man let me tell you something that's what's so dope and that's what made me say i gotta talk to this couple yeah. because i didn't know you so mm-hmm. i was like i gotta see who he loves <laughs> you know what i'm saying because yeah. when a guy i'm telling you men we don't you kind of we have this I call it toxic masculinity where we are not taught to speak highly of the women that we love. Sure. It's the craziest thing. It's like, well, why'd you marry in the first place? If you can't say anything good about it, be like, you know, I mean, she, you know, <laughs> she wants to get married. You know what I'm saying? It just, you know, it just is what it is. You yes. Know? Like, like that's like, no, why can't you say my woman is amazing. Yeah. I, when I first met her, I, when I said eyes on, her, I knew she was the one. I love this woman. She does this, 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 you know, people like, for real, you know, why can't it be that? That's what I want to make popular is yeah. where we can actually affirm our women love on them use words of affirmation if women are if that's not their love language and their love language is gifts why you give me money when I'm me? <laughs> so you got you go ahead and go that route and, and, and love her with gifts or whatnot but whatever meet our spouses our significant others in the way that they receive love mm-hmm. instead of withholding it you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying yeah. it's a beautiful song that's a worship song but i like to liken it to a relationship uh by um William Murphy that says withholding nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, and the song is I'm withholding nothing. That's how I want my marriage to be is where I'm withholding nothing that my wife has everything. And when he Mm -hmm. said that I was willing to share with her things I have never shared with anybody else, but expecting them to leave because the main thing is we, we, we are, we're vulnerable enough to say, 
I know this is the right thing to do, but I'm putting myself out there and this could hurt. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and premeditate the pain. I'm going to say, well, I expect to leave anyway. And then you stay and it's like, oh, uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> oh, 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 well, okay. She's still here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give a little bit more and then yeah. give a little bit more. And then you have this beautiful dance that happens between the two of you where y'all hearts begin to dance and intertwine. Mm -hmm. And now y'all have this beautiful thing called the covenant that y'all are about to take in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, that right there just blessed me. Anyway, so, <laughs> Same. So, man, so listen. So as you, what made you willing, both of y'all, I want y'all to answer this question. What made y'all willing to do this interview? Uh, you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Well, he had mentioned to me, He well, first of all, he's wanted me, he's mentioned, he's like, you you should do a podcast. And I'm like, I just don't have the bandwidth right now uh, with just my work schedule and planning a wedding mm -hmm. and um, also just health stuff. So I'm more tired than normal sometimes. Um, so I just, so when he said we have the opportunity to go on a podcast, I was like, well, this is interesting. Tell me more. But he didn't tell me a whole lot, you know, <laughs> which is super on brand for Seku. It's kind of like just a little, a little crumb. Here's a little crumb. <laughs> he said, just come on there. Uh-huh. So when I, when I sat down today, this is the first time me hearing about what this was about, but that, but listen, I'm, I, I know you him as a man yeah. and he wouldn't put me in a situation that I couldn't handle. There it is. You know, and God wouldn't put me in a situation that I couldn't handle. There it is. And again, I'm comfortable with who I am. I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable. So mm. it is what it I'm is. I'm comfortable right? with being uncomfortable. I am. I have to. I mean, why look. you say you have to? Well, because of who I, well, first of all, my job. So I have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. What do you do? Soul cycle instructor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and because of being in an interrelation, interracial relationship, being uncomfortable comes more often than not with comments and looks from people. And you have to be solid in who you are as a woman to be able to handle that and not take it personally, you know? I want to come back and ask you about those looks. Yeah. Uh, um, Seku, what made you decide to do this? Honestly, it was the rapport we had when we first started talking. Um, oh, yeah, he did mention that. <laughs> he liked you a lot. Man, yeah. we, we, we just vibed. Yeah. We, we had a long conversation yeah. the other day. We were cracking up on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like, we know each other about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that really was uh, the impetus for it. But also, you know, I try to think, down the road and in part it was possibly for you know our unborn kids or if they happen to be adopted whatever the guy has planned yeah for them to hear our our story at this stage yes because when you become parents and your kids you look different <laughs> sometimes you look in the mirror you probably are different um facts and, and so it, you know like i said before life is a journey and so if you can tell your story at a certain time yes you know hopefully maybe it's of help to someone else or it just memorializes my feelings for you that you can look back and see later. Mm. So th that combination is the reason why. And what you're not going to do is give me emotional. I'm gonna I get, know. I'm, I'm like, God, I can't. I'm, yeah, that boy said memorialize my feelings for you. Hey, you got to chill a little bit now. Like, I'm man, okay. All right, let me get myself together. Memorialize my feelings for you. 
You know how important that is? Because marriage comes with a lot of challenges. And sometimes you forget. We get amnesia that you used to love me at some point. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes we operate in such bitterness and hurt over some of the most trivial stuff. But there was a moment in our love story where you decided to put a ring on my finger and say, I want to spend the rest of my life, not the next two years, not the next six years, not the seven years, because most marriages uh, end in divorce around the seven year mark coined as the seven year uh, itch I did a whole TED talk about it but we don't we don't premeditate that day but we get amnesia that there was a moment where he bestowed upon you words of affirmation in front of the world and said I love this woman and ain't nothing no one can do about it you know we get amnesia about those moments so I love when you said memorialize and that's how that that spoke to me is that uh it, it just reminds us that whatever we're going through let's go and pull this video up and watch it Yep. You know, and let me remind you, and this is what we do. And this is the Bible is God's love story to us. And when we go look at it and we read it, God is reminding us. Remember, I said this to you. I said, no weapon formed against you shall Shut prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you shall be condemned for this is your inheritance because you're a servant of me. This is what, this is my love story to you. You know, uh, what, what I had joined together, let no man put asunder. These, these, these beautiful vows that God wrote to us in the Bible that reminds us of his love and that he's married to us. And so when I hear you say that, that's, that's why speaking to me on the depths of, to the depths of my heart because I'm going, that's what love is really about. That's how we get till that's how we get to till death do we part. You know, and it's something that's very rare. You wanna say something, Maddie? Oh no, I'm just uh -oh. listening to you. I'm uh -oh. just trying to I'm my <laughs> This little part right here, this little mm -hmm. this thing called this tear duck yeah, is I'm, acting up right uh -huh. now. Yeah. <laughs> this little tear duck is acting up. <laughs> yeah. When you talked about the stairs, when you yeah. talked about the judgmental looks, mm -hmm. um explain that. What 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 are some of the the worst things that you've experienced and y'all have experienced on this love journey? To be honest with you, it really hasn't. I mean, you know, stupid people at a restaurant that kind of do the once over yeah. and like, I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't really make me uncomfortable. It's more, it says way more about them than it does about us. Facts. Um, so, and really no one has said anything snarky to me. Um, not at least not to my face. Yeah. So, um, but just the, just the looks of people and I, it's uncomfortable for 2.5 seconds, but then, like I said, it says more about them than it does about us. Facts. Yeah. What about you? Mostly the looks. Yeah. I also sometimes carry myself around, like say something, you know, like, cause I, well, the thing is, cause I'll, I'll meet you in your eyes. Right. If you're looking. Actually, that's facts. I'll meet you in your eyes. It says, you know, I, I see you looking now. What are you thinking? Yes. It um, is. But like, weaponized, weaponized in his eyes. <laughs> he charged people up looking at him like what? Say something. <laughs> please, please say it. But it's, it's it, so your eyes speak the truth of what you know. Yeah, it's a window so, to your soul. That's right. And so it's it's mostly the look. Sometimes I've learned that they're moving down here in the south in Texas, there's little subtle questions that can be asked. Um, but I I I navigate those well in that I just I, I, I read them and then I kind of brush them off in a few thinking a few things. One, you don't know me. You don't know her. You don't know our relationship. If you actually knew our relationship, you would probably support it. Yeah. yeah. Because it's a very honest 
relationship. That's what I love. And that's what I want the takeaway for this. Like as I was setting up for this uh, interview, I was like, what do I want the takeaway? I want the takeaway to be where people go. I, I rock with them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how you going to get mad at that? Like, I rock with them. And if you have anything negative to say, keep it to yourself. Because at the end of the day, this is this is, this is is what love is. That's why I asked uh, Rihanna, my technical director, I said, what should, I, what, what should this episode be called? Moments before y'all came in. She said, the color of love. I love that. And I was like, deal. I had directed a play years ago by my friend, uh, Teresa Wash. Um, she runs the, the Bishop arts, uh, theater company, um, right there in the Bishop arts district. And I directed a play years ago called the color of love. Mm -hmm. And so when she said that, I was like, I directed a play called that before. Perfect. That's Perfect. what it'd be. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in a predominantly a white church. Okay. Uh, I grew up in the assemblies of God, uh, first assembly of God in Mesquite, the only black family in the whole church. And so I grew up, I lived in the hood, poor, all black neighborhood, but then I went to an all white church. And so for 16 years, my whole experience of white people weren't negative. It was, it was, it was the most positive. Some of my best friends were, were, were white and they took care of me. Um, I would get their hand-me-down. They would give me like uh, their hand-me-down Jordans and whatnot that they wore a couple of times. Like, I don't like these shoes. And I'd be like, can I? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take them. I'll take them. One of my friends gave me these Jordans. They, he wore a size two, you know, a size smaller than me and mm -hmm. I squeezed my little foot in there I walked around feet hurting like a mug but I said I got my first pair, curled up like a mug I said I got my first pair of Jordans you know what I'm saying and so it was a really cool thing so I always had a cool experience uh, um, around white people and so when I started seeing the stuff like the Black Lives Matter and all that stuff mm -hmm. then, it, then it really gave me uh, a different viewpoint because you would hear a lot of people be like it, it was almost like this, this uh, divide this racial divide that we went through how did y'all manage going through that as an interracial couple, going through Black Lives Matter protests and all that good stuff? You want to go? I mean, it was real. Yeah. Now. It was crazy because, well, we had a moment. I'm just going to have to interject just one second. We had a moment where we, like, looked at each other and we were like, this is crazy that we've already had this conversation. Because if we hadn't, I, I don't know, it was just weird that, like, we had the conversation and literally, like, three months later, it was all before everyone's eyes. And we were like, well, have fun the rest of the world because we've already been through it. Thank you. Okay. What conversation y'all had? What was this? So this was in January of 2020. And we, you know, we had been dating for a few months. It was probably like four at that time. Um, and to be honest, I mean, I never told her this, but I'll tell her now. It was just like, damn, I, I'm really into this, this woman. Like, just I can't deny that. I really am was was holding me back from going all the way in and it was what we talked about before mm -hmm. my my the nieces my nieces my sisters my cousins um and that was how the conversation started because i we literally we were sitting on the floor of my apartment mm -hmm. and i told her i said you know i mean i'm in a fortunate position as a person period then as a black man to be where i'm at especially with the organization that i'm with and I know that without necessarily me being my intention, I know that there's probably certain people that may look up to me. Yep. I didn't necessarily want to focus on the public. I wanted to focus on the people that were closest to me. But I was aware of other people may look up to me. And it was this, how would they feel if they see me have starting a family with a woman who doesn't who's, who's white? Yep. And we literally sat there and I said, I told her, that concerns me. 
That's good. Because I don't want them to feel less. I don't want my niece to ask the question, what's wrong with me? Yeah. That, I don't know if I could curse, but that, it hurts. <laughs> hurts. Yeah. The thought of that. If I could see my, my, one of my nieces asking that question. Because I love them unconditionally. Yeah. And I think they are so beautiful. And I want to do everything to bring out that beauty. Mm. And I still will. Um, and so that was the impetus of the conversation that happened back in January. And to tell a woman you kind of start feeling maybe uncertain <laughs> is one of those moments where you think she might walk away, yeah. especially when everything is going good. Because in the beginning, everybody's on the best behavior, you know, <laughs> and it's nothing but fun, right? Yeah. And you're really starting to go, oh, check that box, check that box. <laughs> and then suddenly they hit you with something that cannot be changed. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's something you are born with. The only thing that's wrong is just how society views it, but it's who you are. Yeah. And it shouldn't be changed. It shouldn't be changed. It's yeah. who you are. And so I had to, it was a real, for me, it was a real tough conversation for that reason. Also, too, she knew, and with it, we grew into this, and she knew it already, but I'm not changing my blackness. And I told her I was a black man. I experienced everything a black man experienced, yeah. and you're not, that's not being taken away. Yeah. Right? And I'll continue to go through the world like that. And our kids will be black. Yeah. So that's, this blackness is real. Yeah. And so we need to see how we're going to do when we talk about these things. Yes. Um, and to her credit, she never ran. She didn't, like when I said, I don't know, I am concerned, I'm not sure, right? She didn't run. Mm. She stood there and she wanted, she, she stood there. In fact, we ended up getting closer because of the talk that we had going through. And she admitted things that she just couldn't understand couldn't understand because it, it wasn't her experience. Which is good. Right? That you can admit that. I just don't understand it. Teach me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let me you see. Learn, yeah. yeah. And that's what we're all on the journey of learning. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, I ain't never been black before. I ain't going to act like I have. So right. what do y'all go through? Exactly. You know, so when a cop stops you, you actually physically get nervous, psychologically mm -hmm. get nervous. I, I've i never experienced that. Teach me. And, and, and that's what it's about. And you know what's important in the response that she had, which is why I was like, okay, now I'm going to up with it more is people will deny you that experience if they don't understand it. Yes. And that will be the complete, <laughs> I will say goodbye, right? Yeah. But she didn't, right? Because some of us say, well, I don't get that. Well, maybe it was because of this. Maybe because of you. Mm. Maybe this. Right? Well, maybe or if you didn't have you, right? Or yeah. This. Or maybe you were, maybe those feelings aren't valid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. That, that didn't occur. Yeah. And so the fact that she, she showed me respect, right? She showed me respect first. And she allowed me to express how I felt and my experiences and took them at face value. Good. Maddie. Yes. What made you take that approach? Um, was this the first black guy you ever dated? Uh, no, I dated one in high school. And so did you. But it's been, it was what, I'm 33 now. So it had been like. A long time. A long time. Yeah. And so with the world shaping and changing and evolving and uh, racial tension coming to the forefront, how did how did you feel a part of that? Like what 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 role did you take when you had this tough conversation with him? Um, I wouldn't necessarily call it. Well, I guess you could call it a role, but I just wanted to listen. I just wanted to soak it in and listen. There were times where I am. I guess we can kind of laugh about it now. And I. I'm like, sometimes I would listen to what he says and then I would, I would turn it in and white people do this. They make it about themselves yeah, and they get all emotional and they're like, well, I just don't understand it. And I would, I would do that. And it was gross. 
and I didn't, I didn't sit with the being uncomfortable for like, for like five minutes and just yeah. let my body go through that. Oh, yeah. I have this like habit of wanting to, but I don't get it. I, like, I, I'm so sorry. Like you just, you start apologizing. And I had to tell myself like, this is not about, this isn't about you woman. Like just sit down, sit back and just listen. Good. Um, so I guess my, my role was the listener, the supportive partner, the, yeah, just being supportive and listening and not judging and not taking it personally. How'd your friends respond to um, y'all's courtship? Um, they were, honestly, they were just happy that someone was treating me the way they the the way that a woman should be treated. Isn't that what it's really about? Mm -hmm. Isn't that crazy? Because it's like what you really want is somebody just to treat you treat you right. Yeah, treat you <laughs> right. You know, so there was no comment of oh, but he's black. Like there was there was none of that because I think they know that I would not speak to them again. Um, <laughs> so if they said it, they didn't say it to my face. Like that, it's just not gonna fly with me. <laughs> It is what it is. Um, but yeah, they, they were just happy that I met someone that treated me with respect and he leads with love. We talk about that a lot. He lead with love. We lead with love. And that's something that I have to remind myself daily, you know, lead with love. Don't lead with your ego first. You got to lead with love. What is something that you would want the, the viewers to take away from y'all's love story? Mm, that's a good question being being vulnerable is important and i would want people to take away that well first of all don't settle ever facts um don't be with someone who makes you feel like you need to change and like transform into someone else completely in order to please their ego and who they are as a human yeah you find someone like he said who meets you whole you're both two whole humans you come together and you make you make something beautiful right um so that's what i would want people to take away from this is just you know wait for the person who who accepts you for who you are say cool mm. let love light the way oh yeah let love light the way Don't uh, deny yourself an opportunity. Don't deny yourself a blessing that God has presented to you for fear of what someone else may think. You will be protected as long as you stand in that space. The moment you doubt it is the moment you will possibly lose it. So hold your faith in it that that was what was presented for you. Mm. And honestly, people, there will be some people who end up respecting you more for it. Yeah. Those who won't, they just decided they won't, and that's fine. But you will find yourself in a much better, a happier place um, when you just allow the blessing to come to you, let love light the way, and, and march forward. <sighs> Lord. <laughs> Sometimes you got to just settle when... when, when 
when Seku when Seku talks, you just want to just sit back and be like, yes. Do you know <laughs> that's what my friends say about him? What they just because he's a man of not a whole lot of words. Yeah. But they they literally say when Seku talks, I just want to like I just want to stop and really make sure I'm paying attention to what he's saying because it's always good. It's like nuggets that you need to put in your yeah, pocket. I'm going, uh, yeah. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I'm at a spoken word spot. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, and it's not just because he's on a podcast either. This is how, he is. This is how breakfast is. <laughs> I'll be making coffee, and I'm like, hold on, let me go get my pen and paper so I can write down what you just said. I would be remiss if I didn't drop this. How did he propose to you? Oh God, Ooh. do you have three hours? <laughs> yeah, right. It takes me forever to tell the story, but I, how many minutes I got? 10, ten. Okay, right. I can do it in 10. Do you want to do it or you want me to do it? Because yeah. you're better. Give yeah, the cliff ping notes pong off of it. Okay, cliff do notes. Ping pong. We'll do the ping pong. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, oh, how do I even start? Um, it was in December. Well, first of all, we had had a discussion about moving in together earlier on in our relationship. And I, I had never lived with a man before. And I stood firm in my thinking that I did not want to live with a man until I was married just because I had been hurt so many times in the past and I had had an idea about how it was going to go and then it didn't go that way. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that to myself again. (laughs) So then the world shut down and we both lived in separate places. And as, um, our leases came to an end, we had, he, we had another conversation. He was like, so what are your thoughts on moving in together? And I was like, you know, Cause his mom had, had always told you, you know, you should live with yeah, someone. She yeah. said you should live with somebody before you get married. And it's true. You and should. When mom speaks. <laughs> you listen. It's true. Me and him had that conversation. We had a little debate about that. I said, what? What'd your mama say? They said, that's what she told me. I said, it's interesting. Right. <laughs> it's interesting. Right. Um, and my, you know, my, my mom was trying to give me the respect as a, as a grown woman. Like you make the decision. I'm not going to step in and say, no, I'm not going to say you should. I'm going to let you make the decision. And I, you know, so we moved in together on December 5th, which was a Saturday. Saturday and he had to do it all cause I was working all morning. And so he moved us all into the, um, to our new place. And then Sunday, the next day he proposed. So I didn't live with the man, uh, without a ring on my finger for, I was like less than 24 hours. When he told me that I was like, boy, I, know. I was like, man, I know. <laughs> Backstory, backstory that. Now, why did you do that? Why did you propose? Whatever, or that, that, that way. Day. Yeah, that way, that day, uh, given the fact about her. Because what you said was something that really was honoring her and how you were telling me that story. So why did you propose to her that day? Well, one, I wanted to surprise her. <laughs> he did that. <laughs> I wanted to surprise her. I knew she wouldn't think the day after we move. <laughs> <laughs> But and 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 I guess being honest, I had already proposed to her in my head multiple times. So there you go. See, there you go. You plant. You, you over. You over. Okay. I melt every day. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Every, said, at least five times a day. He said, he said, "If I'm being honest, I've already proposed to her several times in my head." <laughs> <laughs> this point, I'm like, let me just go and get it over with. Let me just go and do it. Let me go and realize this thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, because it was cool because you had said that she had originally told you her, um, those principles. I will not live with a guy X, Y, Z. And then when you told me when she said that she was willing, you was like, that's it. That's the one. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. And, And he wanted to honor you in 
your decision and his decisions like y'all it was a win-win for both of y'all right. in that and i was just like man that's all right you know yeah. what i'm saying it's like it's like when certain stuff happened that's why i said my mind is open to stuff now because at first i'll be like no nah, you don't do i'm not living with a woman i'm not gonna do that i'm not such 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 but then the way he orchestrated was like oh okay that's yeah. Okay, that's that's y'all love story that that worked for y'all. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it wasn't some long engagement. Be like, yeah, I propose to you, but we'll get married in about twenty, twenty eight, twenty thirty. You know right. what I'm saying? You know, just don't just hey, let's not rush anything. You know, we 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 doing well right now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't that foolishness going on that he's been a man and saying, I'm just not gonna let that ring be something that's that's cute on your finger. I'm gonna mm -hmm. put some. A covenant behind it so yeah. shout out to you king sure. shout out to you queen thank heavenly you. father i thank you right now for this amazing dynamic couple i pray that you cover them from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet protect them lord you said in your word what you had joined together let no man put asunder we come against every lie every ill-intentioned uh thought that tries to come against this dynamic couple that tries to destroy them we rebuke that we cancel the assignment lord i lift up maddie's health right now in the name of jesus touch her body lord you said your word that by your stripes she is healed so i speak healing over her right now in the name of jesus let her body regulate and line up with you right now in the name of jesus let them have a dynamic fabulous uh ceremony god but god i want you to infuse yourself in those vows god and begin to cover them and put a force field around the relationship and protect them lord i even speak to their unborn children god uh that you raise them up to be mighty uh men and women of god lord we thank you right now in the name of jesus for all that you're going to do in jesus name we pray amen Amen. Amen. Are y'all active on social media? Yes. She is, I'm. <laughs> uh, you're not. So, how can people follow you, Maddie? Um, at the Maddie Claire on Instagram. The Maddie Claire. Mm -hmm. And is it a waste of time for people to follow you? Yeah, don't even look for me. <laughs> True. But I, I post enough about him. They can they can follow him he through said, my Don't Instagram. even look for me. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, y'all give it up. <laughs> y'all give it up for my new homies, Maddie. And say cool. Ladarian thrusted suddenly into child protective services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy, with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted, yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care, should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. 
None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Lataris R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Let me tell you something. I am so happy that I opened my mind up and removed all biases to actually talk to this couple. Man, Sekou and Maddie, man, they're a dope couple. And I mean, I, I posted a picture of them on my Instagram stories uh, the day they left the studio. And I had some followers that was like, um, I thought you only focus on black love. And I said, well, you know, um, though this is my personal journey as I discover and uncover and recover love, um, I like gleaning information and just taking a sneak peek into other people's relationships because I find value and love stories and those that have gotten it wrong. I find value in that as well. And so hopefully you are able to keep your mind open. Those of you who, if you're at this part of the podcast, that means you actually watched it. So salute to you, salute to you for opening up your mind and um, allowing yourself to be challenged. If you have ideals where you're triggered when you see a, a black man with a white woman, then Hopefully this gave you a different perspective because it definitely did that for me. So hopefully you guys were blessed by the overflow of my journey.
Well, here's my favorite part of the podcast as I speak to my beautiful queen. Dear future wifey, let's be a unified front at all costs. Let's protect each other's hearts and minds and prioritize the other. I love hearing about couples who defy the odds and operate with the audacity of hope. I love couples who withstand the test of times and choose each other when the world seeks the demise of their love journeys. I love when couples stand 20 toes down and fight impending negativity as a united front. Come for me, you're coming for both. That will be us. You will be my peace. I will be your safety. We will be a manifested promise for each other. We will be connected by purpose. I can't wait to say I love you with an intense stare. <laughs> Dear future hubby. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.